Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every single part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I am your host. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. I am here in my home. I'm alone. If any man can truly be said to be alone when they have a very small sip of whiskey. We're recording, as my good friend Ken Napsock says, live to tape. So if there are any ums or ahs or pauses or audible whiskey drinking, you know why that is happening. 
Now, we live in a glorious time of Star Wars where there is more and more content coming out, so there will always be something new to bother us because we, as the fans of Star Wars, we embrace the light side and we embrace the dark side, even when we sometimes don't want to. So I got some suggestions very recently about more recent Star Wars stuff that is sticking in your collective craws. So I'm going to deal with a couple of more recent issues in this episode. As always, I'll be dealing with two grievances. I like the Sith balance of two. You can listen and determine for yourself which grievance is the master, which grievance is the apprentice. For us today, we are starting with a grievance that more than one person brought up. And that grievance relates to former Darth, now just Maul, now just not alive Maul. First, I heard from Manning Franks, which, by the way, is a super awesome name. Manning Franks. Uh, that could definitely be an X-Wing pilot. Manning Franks says, hey, Force Center, from the other side of the galaxy, a.k.a. the East Coast, I have a grievance that's honestly fairly recent. Most people have been praising the recent Rebels episode Twin Sons with how they handled the fight scene between Maul and Kenobi. Thankfully, I've calmed down a bit from my original hysteria of the quick duel, and I've seen how truly poetic that final battle was. Parenthetical, uh, Manning, this is already a great entry because you are in touch with your feelings and know that you have been full of rage, and then you needed to calm down a little bit. Continuing. Yet I can't help shake the feeling Maul was given an unceremonious end. As a huge Maul fan, I was disappointed with how little fanfare he went out to. Although, as huge Obi-Wan fan, I love how wise and powerful they made him. Didn't care much the first time when Maul died, but now that I care about his character so much thanks to Clone Wars and Rebels, it felt like the build-up and all the hype that we have been readying ourselves for ended in a whimper. A poetic one, to be sure, but a quick one. Who doesn't like things quick and poetic? That was another parenthetical. Manning Franks uh, continues, So, how do I get over the rather rushed death of one of my favorite characters? It's a great question. In fact, it was one that was uh, brought up by a regular listener, Brian Rohrenbacher. Brian said, I do have to say, as a Darth Maul fan, I'm still a little disappointed in this episode. I would have liked to see Maul have a little more of the spotlight for his last appearance, but I am starting to accept it. I do kind of feel like Maul's final story arc might have been better suited for a comic rather than an episode of Rebels. So very, very similar uh, grievances, very understandable grievances, and these are honestly kind of the best grievances, because just like actual real-life therapy, you kind of have to want to get better, and it clearly seems that both Manning and Brian do. So let me just start out by saying I totally understand, and I actually agree with the general perspective that everything in the episode was handled incredibly well, but poor old Maul got pushed out of the spotlight. This was an episode about Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then I would say next it was about Ezra, and finally it was about Darth Maul. I choose, as a Maul fan, to believe that Maul's sort of true final moment in the spotlight, that he got a little mini-episode at the beginning of this episode, at the beginning of Twin Suns, when we see him alone and wandering in the desert, screaming Kenobi in what is one of the finest moments of all Star Wars voice acting ever, the way that final vowel bends when he shouts Kenobi is a thing of beauty that will live in our little Star Wars hearts forever. But kind of everything that's going on with Maul is contained 
in that opening. So I choose to see that opening as his spotlight, as his true last shining moment. Because what is this character about at this point? This is about a character who is clinging to what little he has left. It's almost nothing. It is just the most basic tenets of the dark side. It is hold on to your anger, hold on to your need for vengeance, hold on to this glimmer of, I'm going to say, hope that maybe somehow you can come out on top. But I think Maul barely believes these things. He is just wandering. He is, in fact, questioning, is this how it's going to end here, back where it all started, in maybe a pathetic and desperate way? And I feel like that is kind of what happens. I also have to note on a counseling level, on a Star Wars counseling level, that we are dealing with feeling very, very bad about a character dying when the very first time we met him, he died. I myself felt it uh, emotionally when Maul died and Maul was, his story was done. And I thought, I can't believe this. I just saw Darth Maul end. And then I flash back. I saw Darth Maul end in 1999. So if I could handle it then, I'm going to find a way to cope with it now. So digging in a little deeper into what his story was and where he was at and how it ended in Rebels, it makes me feel better about the lack of focus on him because uh, both Manning and Brian and I'm sure other listeners uh, are, are all recognizing, hey, it was poetic, great, poetic, but quick. But I think focusing on the poetic makes me feel better about the quick and makes me feel better about the mall being pushed out of the spotlight. So I think this is, like I was saying, a character who has lost almost all purpose and all sense of belonging. The fact that he was raised not only in the tenets of the dark side, but in the structural rule of the Sith. This is one of the Sith characters that we get to see pushed out of the order. They're always vying for control. Sometimes they get uh, pushed out. Sometimes they get a pink slip. And by a pink slip, I mean Anakin Skywalker cuts your head off with two lightsabers at the same time. We've seen Sith go, but we've never seen a Sith be pushed out of the system and still allowed to exist. So here is a character who knows what his purpose is, and by the very person who gave him his purpose, he's being told, but you can't do your purpose right now, so go find another one. So Maul kind of does that. Uh, as we as we know him in the Clone Wars, he is trying to start up his own sort of rival Sith company to overthrow uh, Palpatine Incorporated, and that doesn't work out for him at all over the years. He tries multiple times. So what does he cling to? He clings to his vengeance and his anger. And I think what's beautiful about it is I think it's barely about Obi-Wan Kenobi at this point. I think Maul is maybe even shaken in his faith of the dark side, but he knows nothing else. So he clings to vengeance and the person who is still alive for him to have vengeance against, who's vulnerable enough that he can maybe actually take revenge, is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sure, look, Obi-Wan did some bad things to him. I think cutting people in half is rude at best, and certainly uh, puts a damper on your style. But 
Besides that, uh, Maul has done more to Kenobi than Kenobi has done to Maul. Uh, Darth Maul had killed Qui-Gon Jinn, possibly setting off all sorts of strange chain reaction of changing fate of the galaxy. Uh, Maul kills Satine, uh, Clone Wars spoiler. And then a lot of what befalls Maul at the end of his arc that we know from the Clone Wars and then from the Son of Dathomir comic, that's all Palpatine. But he's tried to go at Palpatine. He can't get to Palpatine. But Obi-Wan Kenobi is an old man alone in a desert. And so I think Maul hangs his vengeance on Kenobi because he needs the hate. I do think it's also interesting how often that just the idea of hope comes up. It is Maul's hope for uh, power. It's a hope for vengeance. But it's weird that this character is looking for sort of what's next <laughs> he's almost like uh like he's having a midlife crisis this sith is having a midlife crisis of i either need to accomplish what i set out to or i need to find a new thing he almost seems lonely in his desire to make ezra his apprentice like sure he wants to create his new Sith corporation, and he thinks, hey, Ezra seems mm, powerful enough. Whatever. He seems to be in touch with the dark side. He's got scars on his face. As soon as they get scars or lose a limb, they can fall to the dark side real easy. So I'm going to go for Scarface Kid. But he also seems, like I said, lonely. Like he maybe just actually does want, like he likes Ezra. Like he has that line about how he's disappointed in him in one of the previous Rebels episodes. So it seems like, yes, he's got the vengeance to Kenobi to keep him going in the desert, but also... The hope that Ezra will not only help him take over the galaxy using evil, but also, like, hang out with him and stuff. Maybe play hollow chess. So I feel like uh, Maul is clinging to the dark side itself. And that, to me, is where his story really starts to come full circle. When we meet him in Phantom Menace, and he only speaks, I'm going to guess, around 87 syllables. I'm sure I could look that up. We do learn a little bit about him. We learn that he is a creature of just anger and vengeance, and his main stated desire is to reveal himself to the Jedi. And he certainly did. He kills Qui-Gon Jinn, he sneers at Obi-Wan, almost takes Obi-Wan out, and then he got cut in half and fell down a shaft and had a little bit of problem there for a while. But in all of his continuing adventures, attacking Obi-Wan Kenobi, trying to get power back, I think he reveals himself fully to Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think at the point where they come back together, Obi-Wan Kenobi so fully understands who Maul is that Maul has always believed in the dark side. That Kenobi has always believed in the light side. Great bit of dialogue in the Clone Wars animated series when Maul does kill Satine and expects to get something evil out of Kenobi, to get that anger. And Kenobi just says, I'm a Jedi, of course this is awful, but this is why I'm a Jedi, because we don't give in to anger and hate. So they have uh, represented the different sides of the Force to one another, and I think Obi-Wan understands all of the other stuff that I have been saying uh, about Maul just barely clinging to his anger, to his need for vengeance, to his belief in the dark side. And I think all of that gets played out beautifully when Maul actually goes down 
And it's a moment of almost connection between these two old warriors that Kenobi offers a little bit of peace to Maul, telling him basically, to me, from my point of view, Luke Skywalker is the hope for the future. And from your point of view, Darth Maul, he is the hope for the future because he is going to slaughter everyone who has ever pissed you off. And sure, Maul, I know that's all you have to cling to. You have fully revealed yourself to me, the Jedi, and so I will let you have that. I feel like Kenobi has won on such a huge philosophical level in this long, decades-long battle with Maul that in a way, like a meta way, it makes me feel better that Kenobi even won in terms of overshadowing Maul narratively. That the victor in their philosophical battle would also win the focus of this particular episode of Rebels, and even Kenobi won that. So that is a deep, perhaps poetic, perhaps not, uh, take on on how to feel a little bit better about the fact that the focus is no longer on Maul in his final moment. I think it makes logical sense that he has sort of petered out, and I think it makes uh, drives home the point that Kenobi has won in every way possible. couple other little things. There is still plenty of storytelling to be had with him. There's a comic book going on right now. We got a lot of juicy missing years in between Son of Dathomir comic book and where we next catch up with Maul in Rebels. I know it's suggested that he has been uh, on Malachor for quite some time in Rebels, but there's a lot of wiggle room in there time-wise. And here is my final bit of Star Wars counseling. If you, like Manning and Brian, are feeling bad about the poetic, yet short and not focused on him, death of our beloved Maul, here is a slightly comic bit of counseling. We still have his whole lower half that might be out there. We only ever learned what happened to the upper half of Darth Maul after he was cut in two on Naboo, and who knows what his lower half has been getting up to out there in the galaxy. I hope that imagining the animated lower half of Darth Maul wandering the galaxy has given you some relief. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And so we will move on to Grievance 2. This grievance comes from Kevin Myers. It is also a minty, fresh grievance. And I think this was inspired probably by watching the recent release of Rogue One on Blu-ray, DVD, digital, 3D, 4K, every other thing. Here's what Kevin Myers has to say. The senators in Rogue One are such whiny little jerks. I can barely watch the scene where they decide to give up. Did they have to be portrayed as such sniveling ninnies? Now, this is an issue uh, that my compatriot Ken Knapsack has had as well, and we've discussed a little bit on the main show, but I think this is a very good thing to go into because it's a fascinating problem. I think the short answer is, yes, they did need to be portrayed as sniveling ninnies. Sniveling Ninny would be a great Star Wars name. There should actually just be a character called Sniveling Ninny. But I digress. It is a bummer moment in the movie because we as fans forever have seen the rebellion as a heroic, vital fighting force. So to finally meet the rebellion, to see them at this point in their existence and to not have it be a fist pumping moment is a bummer. But here is everything that those sniveling ninnies from the Senate and other losers from other parts of the Rebel Alliance, here is what they set up that is so awesome. I think of this whole scene as basically taking a punch in the crotch so I can have ice cream later. Because you need to go low before you can go high. And for some reason in the film, structurally, you don't feel that, so you need counseling, which is understandable. Here is why I think this crotch punch creates the ice cream. 
we get to learn a fascinating truth of the Star Wars galaxy. The political reality that our heroes are clinging to a non-violent solution. In when you take a step back and compare them to sort of real-life politicians, not just sniveling ninnies to try to avoid a war, it's understandable that people would try to avoid a war as much as humanly or sentiently possible. No one wants a war. Most of these people were either young during the Clone Wars, or their parents went through the Clone Wars, or if they're older senators, they lived through the Clone Wars. Nobody wants to live through that again. They are clinging to the hope of a political solution, which to me is both funny, it's like actually funny, of the super evil guy who wears a cloak and is disfigured and tries to hide that from the rest of the galaxy. And this guy made a terrible kill ball that is called the Death Star. There's no ambiguity there in the idea that politicians could look at that and still say, maybe we can work it out. Maybe we could at least get him to change the name to something more friendly, like the Freedom Sphere or something. So it's funny, but it also has this element of realism. Of course, they would want to look for every way to not have a war. So it makes sense from a funny perspective. It makes sense from a character perspective. It makes uh, sense from a history of the galaxy perspective that these people do not want war. And you know what? The sniveling ninnies are not alone. Darth Vader is right there with them. Because it's not like the Empire is going all guns blazing, trying to start a war. They want to end the insurgency. They want to use fear. They don't want to fight if they don't have to. They just want everyone to be terrified and go into submission out of fear, not out of their action. We have a whole scene with Darth Vader basically yelling at Krennic saying, don't let the rebels find out about the big murder circle because then we're going to have to have war. Darth Vader goes so far as to say, hey, don't worry, we have covered up your blunder of using the Death Star on Jeddah by claiming it was a mining accident. And that's that's Darth Vader. That is Darth Vader who's like, yeah, let's maybe slow our roll on the whole fighting a war thing. I mean, this is basically Darth Vader saying, you don't know the power of the dark side. You can use it to lie to people about mining accidents to avoid fighting. And yes, yes, it's not Vader's choice. It's uh, Palpatine's and blah, 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 blah. But you get my point. I think that it's an interesting thematic of Rogue One. It's an interesting part of the plot that everyone except our heroes are trying to avoid the inevitable. Palpatine and Vader have set off a string of events in which war is the answer. It is, one would believe, the correct answer. And that's a powerful thing to say. I mean, yes, it is called Star Wars, not Star, let's discuss this first. But we want to believe in our heroes. We want to believe that they are doing the right thing. For years, we have all made jokes about, you know, when you pull back and look at it, the rebellion's just terrorists attacking government facilities. And yes, that is technically true. But from a moral perspective, I think we want to believe that our heroes are for sure doing the correct thing. So by telling a story in which the oppressors 
have pushed people so far where they can't go about their day-to-day lives without being hurt, wounded, oppressed, and just generally bummed out is necessary. And a necessary step of that story is to have uh, sniveling ninnies, cowards, or incredibly moral people who are also full of fear say, are we sure? Do we absolutely have to do this? And the answer is, of course, yes. And the fact that we have the sniveling ninnies to try to get out of it gives so much more power to the sacrifice of our heroes. First and foremost, to Jin and her team. Now their sacrifice on Scarif really, really resonates. We are so used to, I think, in big budget movies like this, we certainly see the heroes go through moral quandaries. We certainly see the heroes go up against all sorts of obstacles. But we don't see this exact moment, because it's kind of a bummer, I think. But still, we don't really see this exact moment where the big question is, should the heroes do hero stuff, or should they insert their thumbs into their butts? And of course, no one wants to go see Star insert your thumb into your butt. I'm getting a little off topic. But anyway, the point is, it's great to see a moment where our heroes are challenged with, you know, you you could just go run and hide. But no, you must be a hero now, you must answer the call. And of course, Jin and her team answer the call. This gives even more weight to Luke and Leia and Han eventually answering the call. Han goes through his own little version of this in A New Hope. But we know now how desperate it was. We know that this was necessary and a risk. So I feel like it has all of those plot reasons. I'm hoping uh, that this is helping you a little bit, Kevin, and other people who feel this way, that I think that sets up all of these thematic ideas so that we have to go through this bummer moment of sniveling ninnies to get to the weight and the significance and the moral certainty of the actions of the rebels. Here is yet another point of view. You can consider this a tribute to George Lucas. We have been told by Gareth Edwards that George Lucas got to see the movie and that he enjoyed it. And we as fans have got to wonder and pontificate about why did George Lucas enjoy this movie so much? Well, here is another reason I think he might enjoy this. George Lucas hates and distrusts organizations. Uh, anybody who knows Lucas's actual history always wanted to be outside the normal studio system. He didn't like the constraints of the organization. He even made a documentary about himself, about the irony that in creating Star Wars, he tried to go outside of the studio system and ended up only building a studio himself and not so subtly compares himself to Darth Vader. He does not like organizations. The story of the original trilogy is about how a bunch of very independent murder bears can take down the overly organized system of the Empire. The story of the prequels is about how the overly dogmatic Jedi can basically trip and cut themselves open on their own lightsabers because of their stupidity, because of their clinging to organization. The only organizations we see actually function and be successful in George Lucas's storytelling are the Sith, because there are only two of them, again, 
This is a guy who's not a big fan of organizations. And the Rebel Alliance. And this shows not only how much the Senate still doesn't work, that the senators from the actual Senate who have embedded themselves in the Rebel Alliance to do the right thing, to create an organization that is meant to act, even then, they still can't act. And what does it take to make the organization of the Rebel Alliance actually function? It takes individuals making individual human or sentient being choices in order to get this organization rolling. So those sniveling ninnies, those cowards, those little jerks, those idiots, those bummer outers, I think, are a tribute to the perspective of Mr. George Lucas, the creator himself. All of that said, I could have not said any of this because the number one reason that I love those sniveling ninnies and will put up with, oh man, it could have been a half an hour of sniveling ninnies because it set up the greatest ice cream perhaps I have ever tasted, and that is the ice cream that is Admiral Raddus. F yeah, Admiral Raddus. We went low in that Rebel Alliance scene so we could go high, so we could pump our little Mon Calamari fins in joy when Admiral Raddus, this crazy but wise sentient being, says, no, bullshit, and he goes, and he goes, and he takes care of business. He leads by example. He swims upstream. He knows it's not going to be easy, but he knows it must be done. While the senators may be cowards, Raddus, and Raddus alone, has the bravery to probe that shield. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe Admiral Raddus survived. I know Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter intimated that Admiral Raddus did not survive the Battle of Scarif. But I am a person of hope. And I truly believe that someday, if we wish for it enough, we will be so lucky as Star Wars fans to see a vicious, climactic battle of bravery and anger between Admiral Raddus, his whole body, versus just the lower half of Darth Maul. Anyway, Kevin and all the other people who have this grievance, because it's a totally understandable one, it's a very weird moment in the film, but I think it is so worth it from several points of view. I hope that helped a little bit. And a big thank you to everyone who sent in grievances. There are a lot of great ones, so I feel like I got a nice stockpile, and I'll keep asking for more. We have more and more content coming out, more and more news from Celebration, more and more things that will set off the dark side in us. But as always, the light side is calling, and we try to let it in here on Star Wars Counseling. If at any time you have grievances, you are more than welcome to just uh, tweet them at Pod or post them on our Facebook page, Force Center. We are looking for things like logic flaws, little lines of dialogue, thematic things, dumb little things that eat at you. If you're a longtime listener of Force Center, you know how I like weird things, strange things. If you've got a strange one, by all means, throw it at me. Anything that is just sticking in you that you cannot digest, like a bounty hunter in a sarlacc, like a piece of gum in Chewbacca's hair, just something that's bugging you, let me know and I will see if I can't make you feel better. Odds are, it's probably something that bugs me a little bit too. I will also, from time to time, be putting out specific calls 
like I did this last time, for Star Wars Counseling. If you send anything in, please do use the hashtag SWCounseling, particularly on Twitter, because then I can just find all of the various things that have been sent in. I'm putting out an episode like this every other Friday, so there will be plenty more to come. I also want to tell you guys very quickly about a new thing that both myself and Ken Knapsack are doing, and that is Anchor. Anchor is a strange little app that uh, is basically a combination of podcast and radio. You can download the Anchor app, or you can just go to anchor.fm on your desktop, and you can hear Ken Napsok doing a show about Game of Thrones. It's called Daily Thrones. I am doing a show called Head Cannon. Uh, on my show, I am talking about all sorts of different TV uh, shows, movies, anything pop culture, with a little bit of a comedy twist. I throw out some weird questions for people to call in and answer. So if you like hearing me go on and on about Star Wars and are sometimes curious curious about my opinions about superhero movies or Doctor Who or Twin Peaks or James Bond or Cthulhu or what I ate for breakfast that morning, be sure to come and find me on Anchor. You can also find me on all the social medias at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter as at Force Center Pod. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for another episode of Star Wars Counseling. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.